myself and Angus have been here since 2014 and um, you know it's, it's been up and down and uh, mainly downs but um, to be on this journey with the football club and to finally be in a grand final that um, you know so many fans have been waiting for and been you know, very impatient frustrated and um, to be on this journey with them and to finally be there on the biggest day that um, of their lives and our lives is, uh, is pretty special. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by our fantastic sponsor, Hop Hen Brewing in Lillardale. My name is Tim Simo. Grand final is almost here. We're four days away. How are you feeling? How are you passing the time? It's been the longest fortnight. The last four weeks, we played one game of footy, and that's all we can still talk about. <laughs> How are you traveling? It's been the longest way. I mean, as, ever since we played our last game, I tell you what, I've just been keen down the days. I just want Saturday to get here. It's, you know, and even to go with the game, even to go with Saturday, it's probably going to last that Saturday during the day. It's going to last as long as these next four days. It's oh, just can't wait for it to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited, nervous, mixed emotions. It's been a long lifetime of hurt and you know it's just amazing to see where we are now and mate a grand final like it it's so surreal we've said it numerous of times but you know being there on the day normally you just you know you're having drinks and stuff with mates you, you you just you just enjoy the atmosphere and you just wish one day you wish one day your team's there and that day's here and god i hope we get up mate i'll tell you what it'd be oh. It, it it would yeah in my sporting in my sporting <laughs> love it will fulfill yep. my sporting life. Oh, that's I I've always ever said I only need to see one. That's that's all I need is one. And yeah, like obviously following the D's has been a huge like it's a, it's a big thing family wise for us, and that's I suppose it's been a special connection as as I'm sure you know you you experience as well too. But it is it's it's that bonding with your family and and I know just for the family's sake that it would just mean a lot for them to get up. Unfortunately, we can't be with each other to watch it and celebrate it and no doubt would be there uh, watching the game. I've always sort of said whether I got the tickets in the ballot or not or whether I'd be camping out in front of the G, that's easy. Like, it, it, that was that was never going to be a question. And the surreal part of it is probably the environment that we're watching it in. And I'm thinking that being at home, watching it probably on my own, Penny might be there watching it a little bit on the side. But... I really will be focusing <laughs> all my energies on myself. At least when you're with other people, you can kind of bounce off others. But I, I can certainly say, if, if I wasn't at the game, in whichever bizarre circumstances that isn't COVID, that I wasn't at the game, I said to, I was saying to mates the other day on, on a Zoom call, it's like, I, I would need to be in a room on my own. I don't think I could watch it with other people that are sort of just trying to have a good time because I would just be way too involved with it. But it's, I think it's, <laughs> I've just been trying to enjoy the, you know, the atmosphere that, that has been created by the D's community. Like we talked about how we can't be there physically in amongst the home of footy, but I think just the atmosphere that's been created by this amazing demon community and the creative output that's been put on social media about people decorating houses and companies sort of creating banners and and um and signs and all this sort of stuff i think that everyone's just finding a way to celebrate it and it is it's a celebration of a season and yeah of course we want the ultimate success on saturday no doubt but i think regardless of the result we can be really confident that this team is a team that is going to go not only to 2021 it's it's going to be for the next few years and i think that's something that we got to remember and it's yeah it's it's an amazing feeling and i'm just trying to yeah take it one day at a time but 
even Saturday, the fact that it's on at 7.10 on Saturday night is going to be absolute hell. I'm either going to have to not start drinking until, you no. know, 6 o'clock. I don't think I'm going to do it. I'm going to have to do something else because otherwise, um, yeah, I'm going to get too excited. So, no, it's been a huge week. There's been a lot going on with the club, a lot going on with AFL. We've had the Brownlow just happen. Ollie Wines took it out. Uh, Clary Oliver came third with 31 votes, which is outstanding achievement for his season. And, you know, we obviously had track and gone in the mix as well too, or, or track was, was closer in the camp. But, yeah, an amazing recognition for an outstanding season. But we all know that, yeah, the real prize is, is, is Saturday night, and that's that's what we're looking for. So congratulations to Ollie Wines as well too. Yeah, extremely talented player who, well, I don't know. I think when we spoke to Fitzy, he talked about Jimmy Tompkins and, and the talent that he had. It's 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 always going to go down as one of the uh, the draft decisions that we might have we might wish we had back. Right. But I think there's some merit to what we chatted about Fitzy with about about development and, and I know that, that story is going to get bantered around a bit. But no, nah, well done to him. For, first Port Adelaide player to win the win the Brownlow Medal. So um, well done to him. We also had well, a bit of a scare. My boy, Charlie Spargo. Oh, mate. Now, you, you said there's vision. I haven't seen the vision, but suffered a bit of an ankle scare. Can you tell us a bit yeah. more about it? What, yeah, what did it you a, see? Was, so, Toby Bedford, they will having a tackle uh, tackle drill, a training, and Toby Bedford got him in a ripper, slung him around, just well, more so because just the momentum of Spargo and his ankle and foot got caught under. So, he's, he's luckily, he's escaped serious injury. I think it was just a minor ankle tweak, which... Yeah, lucky we've got some extra, you know, time up his sleeve so he can, you know, get that right. And I think he'll be fine come game day. To go with Spargo as well, like there's obviously some concerns surrounding uh, May. And look, to me personally, I think there's a little bit of concern surrounding Lieber as well because, um, you know, the, when he kicked um, the port player in the leg, I thought, oh, no, here we go again. But I'm sure, especially this break, I know we've only played one game in 28 days, come grand final day. But I know those two boys having the rest in um, can only benefit them and benefit us. No, selection committee will make the right choice. We know that at, at the time. And yeah, now looking forward to our defensive structures uh, and those two heroes as they are, uh, Lever and May being as fit and firing, ready to go. Great to see that my boy Sparks, he's, he's going to be fine. Jarred ankle. I think he's any, uh, I think Goody said he participated in the next next day's full training drill. So that's that's all good. Probably the biggest thing in the last week, and really should have led with this, the heart and soul of the club, Nathan Jones, huge story, has been all season, obviously clocked up his 300 games this year and played 302 games all up in his career, left Perth after the prelim final to be at with his wife, Jerry for the birth of their twins. Um, I think just, I think, well, I think scraped in by about four hours or something like that uh, after getting in on the tarmac, but Obviously, then a couple of days later, announcing his retirement from the AFL. So I think from all of us, it's there's a lot going on, and I, I don't think it got probably a little bit. Well, I got recognition at the time, but I think it'll be something to reflect on probably in the off season. Really about that Nathan Jones is now no longer a playing member of the club, and I think really special moment just to point out and recognise his contribution to. Well, I, I think the days this year, but just not to forget where. He's left this club, and I'm sure that it probably hurts him a little bit that he's, yeah, I think bittersweet that he's left it right at the pinnacle of of where we're at right now in terms of being a premiership threat. And as we mentioned earlier, 
not not somebody that's just a premiership threat from a once-off or underdogs, somebody that looks ready to take control and take the reins of the competition over the next few years. So, Jonesy, congratulations on your retirement. Thanks for everything that you yeah that you gave to this club because you obviously toiled through the dark days, saw some really shitty times, but you've you've literally been like the phoenix, you know, reawakening. And, and seeing this club build from the bottom up and, and now leaving it in the, in the best possible position to win a flag, as it has been for a long, long time. Speaking to supporters and members of the club, um, coming 2000, being a great team, but this is probably the most mature side and the best chance that we've had winning a flag. And he's got a huge part to play in that. Yeah, 100%. And look, really someone that I've looked up to um, ever since he started. I mean, I knew he debuted in 2006 and... You know, oh, I had his number on my jersey as well. So Jonesy's forever, you know, been one of my favourites. And you know, for what he's done in this club, he's he could have easily left at different stages. And he, you know, true testimony to his character to stay on board because he's just as much as much part of this as anyone else on that playing list. And you know, the whole group. Um, so yeah, we we definitely thank you, Jonesy. And just to reflect on you, mate, that that goal he kicked against the Cats is forever my favorite and most fondest memory of you mate it's gives me goosebumps whenever i watch it and yeah forever grateful for what you've done for this football club it's a hell of a photo too hell of a photo it's you know wallpaper yeah no doubt that his career should be celebrated and will be celebrated i think over over the course of the next 12 months because as i said i think there's a lot going on at the moment it probably gets lost in the mix of things a little bit, depending on what happens on the weekend as well too. Moving on, just quickly, before we get on to the uh, schedule for today, because we've got a huge episodes, our grand final preview episode today. We've got lots going on. Probably, arguably, probably, well, it's certainly our busiest episode ever. But last week, Pod ticked over 10,000 downloads, which just wanted to give a quick shout out. Again, we, we've been very grateful to all of our listeners over the journey of the pod and yourself, Simo, as well too. But yeah, that's amazing to all of our days fans and all of our listeners who who support us and and give us the feedback and just yeah listen to our our, uh, our rambling every now and then and it's an exciting time to to be a days fan and it's an exciting time to be a podcast that people want to you know listen to as much days content as they possibly can so thanks to everybody out there that gives us their support and and listens to the pod and yeah we're looking forward to continuing on because it, yeah it's uh, we're obviously all riding that high but we do have a massive episode today. We've got a couple of special guests. We've got our first live segment, Live Fugazi with real life listeners coming on, uh, giving it. Holy moly. Holy moly, that's right. <laughs> so we do have our very first guest who's going to be, well, it's funnily enough, ironically, nearly 12 months to the day that, well, it was our first special guest on the pod. I think we're about seven episodes in, six episodes in at that stage. And Andrew Lee and Shelley, Famous number 36, number of the last grand final side in 2000, is going to jump on now and he's going to give us his thoughts on the D season. Hey, Joe, how are you going? Good buddy, good. But just slowly building up for the for the weekend. Yeah, definitely. Had been uh, yeah celebrating the the last couple of weeks, just trying to get involved in the in the team and the colours. Yeah, I think um, all of our network in particular has been really well connected, and I think it's been a really good opportunity to reconnect with with generations of past demons. So, which has been really good. 
been a reconnect with the big group. So it's been terrific. Can you sort of describe, I suppose, how that community of past players is coming together? Because like it's been great in the last couple of weeks to see in the media that it's, I suppose, the romance of Melbourne being now on the brink of, of winning another premiership and, and seeing that celebrated from players such as yourself, but but also going back a number of years. But can you sort of talk about like your interactions with past players and, and how you guys are kind of really forming that community, but how are you guys celebrating and, and what's the sort of vibe between all of you at the moment? Um, okay, so can I say w- winning a premiership, you know, you see the groups, the, the um, you know, um, our competitors and opponents over the years who, who share a premiership together, they stay really close. Um, Melbourne hasn't had the ultimate success, but our 2000 team um, did win some finals and obviously competed pretty well and had some good times. So so our group has actually stayed together, you know, over the last 20 years, which, which has been amazing. Um, we've been really close, actually, um, but that's been a very selected and small team. Um, and, and that involved running every sort of Saturday morning at 6.30 around the town for a, a couple of laps and... And also socialising, but but we had a WhatsApp group, and then Neil Danaher started another one about um, earlier this year, uh, and included uh, um, more and more players. And then Rod Grint has taken uh, it, it even further and created the past players of the Melbourne Footy Club, and along with people like Chris Conley and you know Steve Smith and Peter Giles and um, Brian Wilson, Gary Lyon. Um, and, and then also the new young fellas too, like uh, John Meeson and um, there's Ben Beams, there's uh, Brad Green and Cam Bruce. There's a whole bunch of um, more, more recently retired younger fellas that have joined as well. So I think we're nearly up to 500 past players that are on this WhatsApp group. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and it's, and it's fo- pictures of footy trips and it's pictures of football games and it's anecdotes and it's funny stories and... It's about the 1984 Reserves Grand Final all in brawl, um, which was the precursor to the Hawthorne-Essendon match. Um, I played in the Big M Little League that year, so I saw that game. Um, there's lots of different stories about Steve O'Dwyer and, and, and going on footy trips and doing funny things. Um, there's more recent trips to China. Um, we've got Beamer. Um, we've got um, a whole bunch of more recently retired past players that are telling stories about their involvement um so it's been really wonderful actually to 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 reconnect and also to um hear the stories and and to to come together as a group so yeah i think we're up to about 500 past players which is pretty amazing and uh, rod grint has really been the architect um connected everybody um and every day the group grows you know finding somebody else that joins and there's something about him and then there'll be some funny stories. And um, But, yeah, it's been a really nice part of this journey over the last few weeks, which has been to sort of unite and, and, and bring the club together behind the current team. Yeah, that's amazing to hear, Andy. Look, and to go as well, I've just been reading and watching a lot of videos just of how connected we're starting to be as a club as well. And seeing even the current players run with um, the older past players, it was something amazing to see. You know, could you share something about that experience as well? Yeah, yeah, that was great because that goes back to our running group. So it's more my vintage of blokes, um, but but it's a pretty broad group too. And so it's every Saturday morning we go to um, around the town for a couple of laps and, and then have breakfast. And we've been doing that for 
it feels like six or seven years now, you know, so it's quite a long time of actually coming together um, sort of officially, which has been great. And then Simon, Simon, who I play cricket with, and, um, you know, Brad's on the board now, Brad Green and, and David Neitz has been trying to build this bridge and, and, and along with Rod and some others, you know, reached out um, through Mark Williams to, to just see if we could come together and, and to build that gap between the older um, demons and the current group. And so we, we turned up to um, the Jollymon, actually, the car park, the MC, MCG, where the boys had already done some weights or something, and they were going to do some hill sprints. So we joined in with them to do the hill sprints. And then we all went to a cafe in Paran. And that was lovely because there's about 40 of them and there would have been about 30 of us. There's about 70 of us in the cafe in, in Paran. And, and David Neitz got up and made a really nice speech about, um, you know, connecting the group and that, you know, they're, they're very much a part of our club and that we're right behind them. We're really supportive. And that was in pre-season. And it was just a nice touch to kick off the season. And, um, you know, we're, we're, I think the gap and the bridge behind Simon Goodwin, where maybe in years before he might have felt a little bit disconnected from the history of the club. I think he feels a bit more... Um, part of the fabric and a bit more accepted and all those sorts of things now and we've played a small part in that and that's great <laughs> i was just watching the your game winner as well uh today as well andy um i noticed that simon goody kicked the goal just before yours yeah yeah he did one yeah <laughs> and he thought he had it yeah and, um, <laughs> I, I loved it because um we do play cricket together in the same um veterans cricket team and I made sure that um, we reminded him about that when that game came up again this year because um, we, we, we've been up all game, really, and they pegged us back. And I think they hit the front for the first time with Simon's kick. So it was nice to, um, with the help of David Schwartz and, and Daniel Ward uh, winning the footy out of the middle, to get that chance to sort of really rub it in and to ice the game late. So, but um, yeah, we've had some good banter. It's nearly 12 months to the day that, that we spoke and we had you on on the episode and we just finished a, a pretty disappointing end to 2020. And I know that amongst our conversations, we're sort of thinking about how can we improve over the off-season. I, I do distinctly remember you saying about you know the addition of Ben Brown. I think it was really recent at that time that it just been announced about he, you know, he, he, might, he should be able to straighten us up in terms of front of goal. Can you talk about what it was like looking at this season? Because I'm sure you probably didn't predict this, as did probably any other Demon supporter. We knew that there was something there, but in terms of where we're probably sitting at right at this right at this very moment and, and looking at uh, heading into our first grand final in 21 years, can you sort of talk about the reflection on, on watching the Ds this season and what's been the biggest surprise for you by watching them uh, sort of progress the way through this year? I mean, it's the consistency has been the big difference. Um, you, you know, uh, we've always been capable of playing good footy, but we never had, I guess, the depth. We didn't have the fitness. And I guess broadly all over the field didn't have the confidence, I guess, to play good, consistent footy. And... Um, you know, that's the big difference, I think, between this year and any other year is our ability to sustain high performance. And so, you know, it, it does get back to our fitness team. And, um, you know, by being super fit, by running our games, by winning the close matches, it does build confidence. But really, um, and so it's it's recruiting, because I think the recruiting has been phenomenal. And if you look at Jackson and Pickett and Rivers coming out of the one draft, and to see how all three of them had such a big impact 
uh, on our team this year and how exciting they've been at, you know, 19 years of age, which is amazing. Um, it's Ben Brown coming back and overcoming injury and becoming a focal point and just playing his best footy at the right time. And, you know, I expect him to be fantastic on Saturday because he's just, you know, he's really confident. Um, he's someone that would have benefited from the week off, no doubt. So he'll be ready to roll. Um, so, so the recruiting's just been amazing. I think we've had somebody from every draft basically since 2011 now play. So that's 10 years. And then we've got three or four out of, you know, recent one, um, which is just amazing. So, so it's getting the talent, but then it's nurturing them too. And that's what Simon's been so good at is um, getting in right behind his players, supporting them, positive, uh, making good choices. If you're in form, you've kept your spot. You, you know, um, I, I'd say that uh, Bowie, who's playing his seventh game, would say that he feels incredibly well supported. Um, I think um, Sparrow would feel incredibly well supported. I think Spargo has been incredibly well supported. You know, they played good footy and, and Simon's backed them in. And, you, you know, you grow in confidence when a coach backs you in and says nice things and he's measured and he's calm and, you know, he's in your corner and you find that you end up playing for him um, and you're fit and there's depth and there's pressure on your spot and then there's good camaraderie. Um, the, the, the the selflessness of this team too, I think that's the other thing that's been the hallmark and I think they've all said that at various stages, you know, the, the Clary and the and the track and the, and the Jack Viney giving that first little give around the contest instead of trying to do too much like they might have done over the journey. Um, and, and by giving that little one, that tiny little one, then, then it actually creates the outside opportunity. And, um, you know, that's that's been a hallmark of the team. And then you say Max Gordon's had another amazing year, hasn't he? And he's had a foil with Jacko that's given him the ability to go forward and, and to help out. So you're really looking at a, a really well, well, and I haven't mentioned the backs, you know, leave is you know fully fit and back and 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 gelled with Salem and Rivers and May, um, and, and so have been very settled. I'd say most of the year we lost Tomlinson, but but Petty's come in and and has just been worth his weight in gold. And um, you know he's been backed in too by the coach, and so now he's just a full time, you know, confident. So he's flying. So there's so many good things to like about this year, um, but it's the consistency. It's the selflessness um, and it's the even contribution all over the ground. I think they're the hallmarks of the difference. You know, looking ahead to Saturday, you know, what do we need to do to win? Um, so quickly, quickly sh- share with us, um, you know, what, what do the demons need to do to get up? Um, I, I think you'll know in the first quarter if we're in the game because um, we haven't played a lot of footy in the last month and everyone's saying that that is an issue. It's either going to be a really good thing for us or, or it's going to be a cruel um, anecdote, you know, to our story, which is the first break between prelim and grand final, um, you, you know, potentially having a big impact. So I, I would say if our, if our heads are on and we're in the game in the first quarter, that we will definitely um, win the match. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, the boys provide the intensity, the contest, the pressure, the work rate. If we are on at the start of the game, I can't see them beating us. If we're just a little bit behind, second of the ball, giving their mids free kicks, um, easy um, clearance from the stoppages, Norton gets a few early ones, Waitman gets his confidence up, um, you, you know, Liberatore is up and firing. 
you know, if, if that's sort of the story of the first quarter, then then I'd say, um, geez, it's going to be difficult because the Bulldogs are playing such good football um, and have really all year. And, you know, the two games that we've played have been really good contests. So um, I just really hope that we start well. So starting well is the critical thing. We start well, we get the game on our terms um, and we play the style of footy that we've played all year will be very hard to beat. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's starts have been something that the D's have sort of constantly been working on uh, this year. But we've certainly we've come back from some, yeah. you know, obviously some massive leads. It's it's not the be yeah. and end all, but I think in this no. game, as you said, we we want to start off um, hitting the ground running. Yeah, it's certainly not that we can't come back. It's more of a sign of whether the the break has hurt us. I reckon if we're up and about early, then I reckon that that's going to put us in a really confident mood. And then, you know, we've got the fitness, we've got the track record, we know we can come from behind, but, geez, it's much easier um, winning from out in, in front. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, Chell, we really appreciate your time. We really appreciate all your support that you've given the pod throughout this year, mate. Yeah, and, and, no problem, Tim. No and, uh, yeah, enjoy the game on Saturday and hopefully we can, uh, yeah, we can we can discuss at a later point how we how we celebrated the D's Premiership. <laughs> mate, to, to you and to Simon, mate, appreciate the opportunity and um, all the very best. Hopefully we, we all enjoy it. And... Um, We'll speak to you later. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. See you, Chubb. All right, Simo. Well, we're extremely lucky to have our next guest on with us today. He's part of ABC's Could Have Been Champions, one of the oldest running footy talkback programs of well, probably of all time, I would say. Been going for 40 plus years. Andy Belez, thanks so much for joining us, mate. How are you going? I'm good, Tim. G'day, Simo. Yeah, it's a lot. It's very enjoyable to, to join you on the program. And 41 years is a very long time. It was before I was born. I, will, I just want to put that out there right now. <laughs> um, 41 years always well, takes us back to 1981, where there were six games on a Saturday, um, all at 2.10. You know, teams played at traditional venues and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, footy's come a long way, but the could have been have uh, been there through the whole thing. And as we were just sort of briefly talking about before, obviously this time of the year, you guys are sort of out in force with not only the Brownlow dinner, but also just your live broadcast in front of the G uh, on grand final day as well too, which was a big highlight. Dad would always drag me there early uh, to try and catch the last sort of half an hour, making sure we were there for talk back. But yeah, it must be probably for now for the second year in a row to sort of miss those sort of things. It must be a little bit bittersweet to not be able to do it in, in front of a live audience. Yeah, it feels it does feel a bit empty, you know, and, and it's it's a shame to say that because the footy for us, you know, the footy hasn't been better this year. And yeah, we haven't been able to we went went to a few games until about halfway, watch the rest on TV, but at this time of year Melbourne buzzes, you know, and and the the grand final whole grand final week with you yeah, starting with the Brownlow on the Monday and then there are other functions through the week whether you go to them or not. It, there's a feeling in the city and the feeling around Melbourne that, that you, it can't be beat uh, uh, around grand final week. Um, and then culminating, as you say, in that broadcast that we do that is just so energising for us. Like, it's a long season when you're trying to broadcast every week. Um, you get to the grand final almost as, you know, oh, thank God we're here. And then you get so much energy from a 1,000 people in the crowd singing along with Greg, you know, everyone singing That's the right. woes. The last, yeah. You know, football or something. And then at the end, we all think, Geez, let's do it again. This is so much fun because you know you really you really sort of take a lot of energy from your crowd. So to not have that last year, to not have it this year, yeah, you do feel slightly empty and slightly bittersweet. But 
we, we work with what we've got. And God, I, I've, I don't know how many times I've said I would prefer Melbourne to be in a grand final in Perth than not to be in a grand final in Melbourne. So, um, yeah, if that's, if that's the card that we're drawn, let's just take it, watch it on the telly and, and hope we win it and come back next year. Exactly right, mate. And look, to be honest, I mean, I'm a D supporter of 26 years. Can you actually tell us um, your journey as a D supporter and I suppose something a little bit about yourself in terms of like a favourite memory or a first memory? Yeah, I can. And I, I'm, I'm a country boy, born and bred in a little town called Donald, which is about three and a half hours northwest of Melbourne. So we didn't really get to many games. My dad is a massive Melbourne supporter. His father was a massive Melbourne supporter. Um, so it, it's, it's, I was born into it, you know, um, was given my first demons jumper at, you know, the same age that most of us, if we, our old men were D's, D's fans. Um, but my first memory is, um, quite vivid and it's sitting on the porch step at our home in Donald waiting for dad to come home with the small group of Melbourne supporters who'd gone off to Waverley to watch Melbourne play Hawthorne in the 87 prelim. So I remember, and I think I, I vaguely remember the games before that and it being exciting and Father's Day, we gave Daddy's demon scarf and all that sort of stuff. I remember all those things, but I do vividly remember the feeling of, you know, I think it's because Dad was in the backseat of someone else's car and you don't never see your dad in the backseat of any car. Um, he's always driving you around. But um, I remember that feeling of just... and being excited to see him and then just seeing the utter devastation on his face, even after a three and a half or four hour drive back, you know, so that is, I mean, it's, it's very Norm Smith curse to, to have your first memory being so disappointing, but as a fan, um, I reckon going to Waverley again in about 1991, we played Fitzroy and dad bought my brother and I Mel Ruckles. So that was uh, which is a little, Demon doll with the trident and the horns and things like that. So, yeah, they're probably my two memories. And as I said, I was born into it. You know, my dad is, you couldn't meet a more passionate Melbourne supporter, a more vocal Melbourne supporter as well. Um, sometimes I sort of have to put my hand on his shoulder, but then I take some of the traits <laughs> from him as well. Um, so, yeah, there was never any other choice. And and to be honest, I've never regretted it. Like even even 186, even the the 148 against Essendon, you know, at the G, you know, as as painful and as punishing as it was you still bleed for the red and blue and you you know you wouldn't choose to barrack for any other team so yeah that that's the journey to then and then yeah just enjoying this year and enjoy 2018 so hopefully we just we are the team that then for the next decade are in the finals most years yeah i, I think so you talked about being born into it now you and i are both uh well pretty pretty close in terms of becoming dads and and i i certainly imparted mine <laughs> my daughter to be a demon to the disgust of my wife penny who, who doesn't really love footy at, at much but she would call herself a token richmond supporter as her as her father is as well too but was there ever any doubt that uh, your little one was going to be a demon was there was there a conversation in oh, your I, household I, as well I, i'm lucky uh, well um, i mean i'm lucky for many reasons that i married my wife but she's a melbourne supporter our first Perfect. date was at a melbourne <laughs> game our first date was that gws game where we were down at three quarter time and then thick kick th 13 goals in the last quarter and i think um the president was uh oh, what was his name i can't think of his name but he came into the rooms and said this is the start of something big. And I think then we then lost by other points the next week. Um, but that was our first date. And then, so yeah, she, she's not as passionate as I am, um, but there was never any conversation. 
her family has all been, you know, everyone has to barrack for a different team. So I've sort of had to negotiate, well, not negotiate, but sort of, you know, walk that road with with um, my daughter's grandparents because they wanted, you know, a little bit more circumspection, so to speak. But <laughs> passion is all about it. And my, my one of my best and oldest mates is a Hawthorne supporter, but his godfather in about 1985 bought him a demon's jumper that he never wore because he was, he was, you know, born into a Hawthorne team. So he's then gifted that jumper to me for my daughter. So she's been wearing this royal blue and red 1985 circa, you know, my first demon's jumper with Robbie oh, Flowers yeah. number two on the back. So, um, yeah, so she's no demon, very much a demon and she will never get to choose anything but. <laughs> no, and if, if, if anything is to go by, I mean, what a good luck charm they've both been uh, at this stage. Absolutely, I mean, it's, yeah. I know my, my dad certainly said that and it's, uh, yeah, every chance I get dressing her up, especially in the last, probably the last few days, just going for walks and having the baby scarves and the uh, and the beanies and, and everything out <laughs> as much as you can. Even even if I don't don everything red and blue, at least at least it's a lot cuter on a baby than it oh. is on a 32-year-old male walking around in head-to-toe red and blue. Although uh, yeah. it's it's respectable at this time. but <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I, I think so. Yeah, I was um, I went for a jog at Albert Park uh, before the John game, so a couple of days before the John game, and I was feeling a bit toey. So I put my beanie on, even though it wasn't really beanie weather to go for a jog. But... I jogged past Brad Green in Albert Park. He was going for a walk, and I just thought that has got to be an omen. And he gave me a thumbs up because he saw me. He was on the phone, <laughs> so he saw me beam me. And I thought, "Yep, that's an omen. You need you need these things. You need to wear the clothes. You need to feel a part of it. Um, you know, even if you it's the lucky jocks that you wore last time <laughs> they won. So be it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great to get all all, all sort of caught up in it. Was there a moment this year that you really sort of thought? that the demons looked different to i suppose the last couple of years you know 2019 and 2020 are pretty uh well have been clearly disappointing well 2019 especially given the the rampant success that we had in 2018 but then last year was bitterly disappointing the way that we finished up was there a moment this year where it just kind of clicked for you that we thought that you're like shit we actually look a different and more mature side i i think it was anzac eve um my uh I think my daughter had just been born. So I watched it on the TV, but um, I just remember thinking, because the few games we'd won every game, but it was never, you know, super convincing. It was, you know, 20 points here, 20 points there sort of thing. Uh, but that Anzac Eve game, they were so ferocious and they were so, you know, it's a cliche now, but they were so Richmond-like, um, pushing the ball along. And then Petrarca kicked that goal, running to the boundary line. And it was just, it just felt different. It felt like, we were the team to beat. And then we beat the Bulldogs and they were sort of, you know, it was eight wins versus eight wins. And I know they beat us in round 19, but it was so convincing that game. And we just basically, you know, it was like the big brother and the little brother just pushing the head, sort of, you know, try and get me sort of thing, or, you know, keep kept them at the end of the string the whole game. I just thought this is a team that, that you know, is knowing how to win. Everyone plays their role. It, it all just looks good. And then obviously very few injuries and um yeah we come to this point and i'm just as nervous as i was you know i would have been at any game you know no matter if we were favorites or not or whatever it just yeah it's very rare that we obviously that we're ever in this position so we just don't know how to feel i think as melbourne supporters what are you what have you been doing this week in the lead up to the grand final have you, have you got in, involved in the day's fever painted a painted a fence or anything or done <laughs> no. something that's a little bit different 
I have an old um, the eighties style logo on a big flag. Um, I don't even know where I got it. I got it. it was not, wasn't that long ago. Um, I think I, I did. I spent three years working at the sports museum at the MCG, and they were tossing some things out. So I might have got it there. So I might have just pinched it off the pile. But it's now on a wall, an outside wall. I've taped it up with heaps of gaffer tape because. It, we had some windy days and it, it came off a couple of times. So I've got about a half a roll of gaffer tape up there holding it down. So that's as that's as far as I've gone. I have, have found myself, as I think I mentioned to you um, off air, that we, uh, in my off times from work, I've been going to YouTube and going to old clips of games that I've remembered from, you know, the years gone by from the 80s all the way through. And um, I did find myself flicking onto the uh, Andrew Lee and Shelley last minute or last second goal in 2001 round two uh, against the Crows. So that was a, that was a fun little memory to, to relive whatever it is, 20 years on. Yeah. Given the situation that we're in to be able to see the community outpour and, and all the creative ways that people are being able to show their support to the D's. I mean, it was amazing that when we played the prelim over in Perth, you know, those people offering to send back like all the member badges and, and all these sort of things. People are just sort of going to new heights to be able to try and celebrate or, or really create a community feel for this. Because as you mentioned before, and I said this last week as well too, I think it really hit me after winning the prelim about how much I would miss the atmosphere of a finals, um, well, just grand final week, as, as you mentioned before, Andy, and thinking that it's... I've been involved in it, but it's never been Melbourne. So it's sort of, you yeah. go in there, you're in the hustle and bustle and you're enjoying you're enjoying a beer at the bar or whatnot, but you're not feeling 100% invested because it's not your team, but you're still enjoying the atmosphere. It's a great time to be in Melbourne. As you said, it buzzes. It really hit me last week or the other week when we won the prelim and I was thinking, it's really disappointing that we can't be in there in the hub of Melbourne um, any, you know, anywhere around the town where, you know, there'd be a sea of red and blue in and around of Richmond in and uh, tell me about it, Tim. It, 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 yeah. As like, it's bittersweet is the best term for it because it's our home ground. Like it's where we, where we play it's where we go every, every second week to watch our team play. And the fact that for 20 years, 58 years or whatever it is since we've actually had a really good shot, but 20 years since we've actually been there and it can't be at the ground that we call home. I was, I was working at the G in 2018 and being in and around the, the, the ground and, you know, being in the offices there and all that sort of stuff in the lead up to those, the elimination and in the semi-final, it's two of the greatest weeks that I can remember having because it was just, you, you just, you felt this visceral build. And then on the Friday, it was at fever pitch. And there are a lot of people who, a lot of particularly legacy employees at the MCC who've been there a long time, barrack for the demons. And the place was just like, it was really on, on a fever pitch. And um, then to take the seat and, you know, the, the place just rocked. I, I, I'm assuming you guys were there and it, the, the stands just shook when Nathan Jones kicked that goal, the stands yeah. shook. And you just, you wouldn't think that it would be any different. It would probably be twice as much if we were able to play our prelim there, particularly maybe grand finals, always heaps of corporates and stuff. But yeah, I mean that I remember that, that 20, what was it? 2017 prelim Richmond GWS, I think it was. And yeah. it was 90% Richmond. Yeah. And it was just like the place. It was nuts. You know, the, it felt like the, the stands were going to fall down. And I reckon our, our crowd would have done exactly the same thing. So it's a shame. But hey, if we're if we're dynasty bound, which we should be, 
it's always next year as well. We've just got to get this one under our belt. Turn that 60 or 56 into a zero and uh, go from there. What we're building here is certainly not just a one-off uh, flag tilt. It's certainly something that, as you said, is, looks to be threatening to the other sides in the AFL for the next few years. And I think it's just a credit to the club and, and the way that they've built this list all from the Ruse era. And it's it's been a real privilege this year to sort of have a chat to a few um, members of the club and, and the president, just like you, you did yourself too. And she was, Kate Roffey was really fantastic and really impressive to listen to about, I suppose, her journey through the club, but just the way that she yeah is leading the club forward and being accessible to all members of the community but what did you what did you find with your sort of quick chat with her because I, I mean she just seems so down to earth but in, but extremely impressive i think in that sense uh, i like the fact and you know i feel like we've had sort of presidents who've been spirited in at different times i like the fact that she's been on the board for almost 10 years before she took over the presidency so so it means as she she started on the board in that the the pit of despair you know in the kneeled times where we just you know, who would ever want to go to the game? You sort of felt forced, you know, you, 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 your psyche forced you to go, even though it was the worst experience of every single weekend. But she's been there since then. So she's been through the hard times. She's worked um, through, I think she's she's very good. She seems very good at bringing the club together. You know, she and um, Gary Pert and before them, I think um, Peter Jackson was just a, a wonderful uh, figurehead for the club. Um, took them from you know, the lowest up to a point where, um, you know, Pert and and Kate have been able to, to take it forward from there. So I think they're just, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're not trying to change too much. They're just building on that culture, building on that legacy and, and sort of making it better from an already good position. They know their job is to make it better and, and to sort of, you know, just be a part of it. Um, and and I, I like that, as I say, she she's not... It's not all about her. There are presidents out there and former presidents out there who make the club all about them. Um, you know, I think one one's team lost a preliminary final that no one expected them to lose and another one, you know, hosts TV and another one's a former premier of Victoria and, you know, we can go, go through them. But, yeah. you know, I think I think um, Kate seems to me, uh, the, the way that we, we spoke, um, that it's just it's it's a bit like the football club, you know, a bit like the team that everyone has a role to play and they know their role and they they want to do the absolute best that they can in that role. It's it's no one's job to be a hero and take it all on themselves. So um, yeah, I think uh, they seem to be on the right track. I like how you finished with the the track in there. Nice little Petrarca. Ah, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. funny. I call him I call him track. But then he, to me, he's Petrarca. So he should be Petrarca if he's going to be track. But that's just something I've been mulling over is it, it, the, the football hasn't um, exited my head for the last uh, 11 days or however long it's been. <laughs> I think we're on the same page there, mate. Well, do you want to share something about um, your journey, I suppose, and your work um, with the Could Have Been? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I started, I mean, I've, uh, it's not exactly a trade, but I, I would say I'm a journalist by trade. I'd studied journalism at university and then sort of, just sort of wandered into the ABC really and was spoken. Uh, one of the first people I talked to was the producer of the could have been. So I'd listened to as a kid, you know, we had the cassette tapes in the car, you know, through the eighties. And um, he said, do you like footy? I said, yes. He said, Oh, come and help me out at some outside broadcast that we're doing at the MCG. So I just started, you know, schlepping cables and then have become, you know, became the producer and then sort of managed a lot of the, 
um, you know, a, 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 a commercial stuff, tours and, you know, the uh, books that we've just done and merchandising and things like that, just sort of because they're too, I don't want to say they're too lazy, but, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're middle-aged men, you know, they're, well, they're, they're old, old men now. Um, so, you know, I just sort of took all that sort of stuff on and then became, you know, a few years ago, they asked me to turn my microphone on and haven't, haven't um, been able to get me to turn it off since. So yeah, it, it's a very, it's a natural progression. It's not sort of like, you know, there was no sort of jarring, even though I'm 30 years younger than all of, all of them, it's sort of a, it, a dynamic that we have built over. I've been with them 17 years, sort of just expresses itself on the radio. You know, we're sort of friends first and then it became, you know, Oh, well, what do you think about this? And I'm probably, we, along with Ian Cover, I'm the most passionate supporter on the panel. So I sort of can, you know, if they, they can get up me for if Melbourne lose and I'll sort of, you know, defend Melbourne and <laughs> question some coaching decisions and, you know, then they'll get onto me about that when Goody takes us to 17 and four or whatever it was. And yeah, so it's all a lot of fun. And we just try to be, as they've done for 41 years, as I've done for 17 years, just try and be footy fans first, and that try and just express that on the radio. We're not ex- experts in anything. We're not comedians. We're just footy fans who like to have a bit of fun and chat about the footy. And that's certainly what it looks like. And it does just look like that you're having, yeah, having a lot of fun being being to you know a number of your performances, mate. It just um, between that and the radio show, it just looks like that. Yeah, it's not a job. It it does look like a lot of fun, even though that, as you said, you you do all the behind the scenes stuff in terms of. The organising, I'm sure it is a job, but in terms of the performance side of things, it just looks like that everyone's having fun up there and you enjoy each other's company, but it's certainly entertaining for everyone that's watching. Yeah, and, and you know, it is, it's hard work, but there's nothing that says that hard work can't also be fun. Um, and, yeah, it, it always looks like it's blokes have just walked in off the street and started talking. I mean, <laughs> to, to an extent, that's the case, you know, to, to a large extent, that's the case, but... There is preparation that goes into it and we do, you know, when we're live on stage, you know, we will do a five minutes before we'll do a here's what we're doing and write out a little, you know, sort of rundown, you know, you talk about this and then you talk about that and then we'll go from go from there. Um, so, yeah, so it, it, I guess when you've been doing it for so long, it can just, everyone, you know, everyone knows what the other person's doing. It's like a, a symphony orchestra or something, I guess, you know, if you want to be, <laughs> make a wanky analogy, but yeah. Um, it's yeah, it is a lot of fun, and and I mean, it's a hobby for everyone as well, you know. Like, which I think is really good. It's always been a good thing, um, you know. Everyone's just had their own careers and jobs and lives, and we sort of all get together on the weekend to have a bit of a chat over a cup of coffee and and um, sing a couple of silly songs. I mean, you know, what's what's better than doing that with your Saturday morning? What's your what's your what's your plan for the weekend? Have you got something special lined up for it? Oh, I think I have to. I don't actually produce, to be honest, I don't produce the content anymore. So um, because I've got a uh, sort of working full time elsewhere, but um, not really. We'll get a few guests on, you know, we will just try and replicate what we normally do outside the MCG. So get a couple of fans on, get some, um, you know, uh, maybe a former player or two. Well, the, the, the mums, pe- people seem to really love when we talk to the mums of players. So um, <laughs> I think we might... I think this week we're going to try and get um, Jake Bowie's auntie on because she played 300 games of v- women's football herself, Belinda. So, And she's in our book, um, to give it a plug, Half a Chicken and Chips, out now through all good retailers. 
50 footy yarns from our um, the last 10 years of could have been shows. But uh, yeah, Belinda's in there as a, as a footballer, but you know, she was the sister of um, Brett Bowie who played for St Kilda and obviously is now the auntie of um, the great Jake Bowie, whose eight games look more like, you know, 250 the way he sort of <laughs> moves around the field and the time that he has. So um, yeah, I, to be honest, it's a bit early in the week to sort of think about who, <laughs> yeah, who we've got it? on. Tuesday night, yeah. Yeah, there'll be songs, yeah. you know. Greg will sing thing about football. Danny from Droop Street will make an appearance. <laughs> yeah, just the usual, really. Same sort of stuff we've been doing for 40 years. Sounds good, mate. And to, well, to go to with that, it flows on with the next one. What's your grand final predictions, mate? What do you, what do you think will happen? I think we'll win. Um, I actually think we'll, I think we'll win... Maybe it's just hoping, but I, I think I think we'll win by about three goals. I, I can see it. I can see it being about the way that the season's panned out. I can see us being up by about four goals at three quarter time, a bit of back and forward in the last quarter, and then it just sort of not petering out, but not being like a a, a grandstand finish, um, which I'd love. I, I mean, who who wouldn't love it to be? completely snuffed out as a contest at, at, half, at <laughs> half time and you can just sit back like the prelim, just sit back and enjoy the rest with a glass of red and being a night game and just sort of take it all in. But, you know, the excitement comes with a close game. I think, yeah, three goals and maybe oh, he's going to win the Norm Smith. Uh, keep, keep a hold of that. Keep okay. That. <laughs> <laughs> right. now, okay. How, how many songs How many songs do you reckon Greg would have to chuck out if Melbourne wins a flag? Any? Uh, many D songs? Yeah, like, I mean, there's probably, yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple. I think, <laughs> I think as D's fan, like I've I've borne the brunt of it. You know, I've been I've been the D's fan who's just like taken. I've been that, you know, that lead blanket for the rest of the D's fans in the world. But I mean, I feel like Melbourne fans always take it in in the, the good nature that it's oh, um that, that it's do. meant in. And you go to like we go to Brownlow night at the MCC. And they're mostly, well, mostly, but there's a lot, a lot of <laughs> Melbourne fans there, and they love it. They call out. They want, you know, D's have a buy. They want yeah. members of the MCC, and you know, come on, number fourteen, go well, number two. You know, I mean, it's because they're cliches, <laughs> and we know that they're not true. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's it's um, yeah, when they when we're losing, it, it is a bit of, a bit more of a bitter pill to swallow. But when we're winning, you know, he can sing whatever song he wants. That's right. We we asked almost the same question to Titus last week or week four, and he came back at us with, uh, well, there's always Carlton because people are wondering if, uh, <laughs> what happens to his material when if, if the D's become dependable and successful over the next few years. And yeah. that was a pretty good response. So, um, no, it's Car- I think, um, We've always got Collingwood, you know. Wow, well, yeah, that's 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 always always fodder fodder for that. But <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll go positive. Maybe we'll just have to go go with all positive stuff from now on. Positive Sounds... lingers, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We'll play our role just like lingers. We still have to get uh, Greg Champion to well the petition to get him to play. Um, that's the thing about football in front of the crowd. It has to come back. Surely it's. It's still, I think, one of those songs that, especially for a younger generation, probably isn't in high regard as, as what it should be. And, yeah, I'd love to see it. Like, as we mentioned before, it's such a great memory from the, the few grand finals that have been to, plus your shows. But I think the grand finals, especially um, where on your live broadcast and five minutes to 12, it comes out. 
it, it would be such a great song to to play in front of the crowd, and I, I think it certainly yeah. needs to be uh, <laughs> pushed I, for again. I, I'm I'm biased, so I'm I can't I can't make a, no, an objective <laughs> call on this. But I mean, when you when you stack when you line them up together to quote another song, think about football wins hands down. Surely, you know. I mean, you know, it, it is a it's a it's a great song. It's a great to sing along to. I mean, Greg's now based in Adelaide. Um, so this would have been a perfect year because he could have gone across yeah. the border. But I think uh, I think you know they had their they had their. That's one thing the could have beens are not very good at is um, promoting themselves and and getting in front of uh, the selectors early enough. It's like we we talked about it this week, well, middle of last week, and said, oh, maybe we should see if champs can get on the grand final entertainment. But um, obviously, it's all locked up <laughs> yeah. months in advance. Uh, no, I mean it would be it, it'd be it should be something that is a part of it. Um, but you know they've, they've obviously then they made their choice. I think um, Mike Brady lobbied really hard because they, they they weren't using him on a regular basis about ten years ago, and he lobbied hard and he used three AW and you know, Neil Mitchell got involved, all that sort of stuff. And I think sometimes that's what you have to do because the the entertainment producers just want to reinvent the wheel and get something new and be, you know, the, the newest and best and all this sort of stuff. But footy fans want tradition and they want comfort and they want what they know and they, you know, they want to sing along. So yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good one day. Maybe, maybe one day, maybe next time the crows are in it. Champs can sing that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Andy. Well, we're gonna we'll finish up tonight with our quick quiz, uh, five and a flash. Quick so we're quiz. gonna give you five quick questions, and it's got to be the first thing that comes in okay. your mind. If you could bring back a past player for Saturday, who would it be? Jack Watts. Oh, you talk about Robbie Flower before, and uh, your daughter wearing that jersey. Who would you give the number two to now? So thinking 2022, uh, 2022. Oh, Jake Bowie. Nice one. If the D's win. Now, this might be a little bit hard to think of on the spot, but what's the title of the Could Have Been song and, and which hit is it parodied off? <laughs> uh, the song is um, I'm Sorry, D's Fans, and it's parodied off, um, uh, I don't know, Sorry Seems to Be the Hardest Word. <laughs> I don't even know that song, but I know there's a song called that. <laughs> You're talking about Justin Bieber? I hope not. <laughs> no, it, maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, chance, chance doesn't go past 1982, so yeah, <laughs> I think we'd be stuffed with that. All right, no worries. All right, uh, next one. Um, so the Norm Smith medalist will be. So now it's your time. Who would it, who will it be? Angus Brayshaw. Oh, nice. Ooh, nice value there. And the last one is. Is there a big blunder on live radio that you've witnessed or been a part of? Yes, too many. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what live radio is all about. Yeah. It's all about like I've I've worked in you know day, daily radio for almost twenty years, and I do remember um, I remember producing a guy who'd never done radio, been in, in a radio studio before. No, he'd never set up a radio studio before. He was a producer, executive producer, or something. And he got the sides of the, because studios are in, you know, you've got uh, an A side and a B side, producer sits on one, uh, presenter on the other, but often they, they can be interchangeable. And he'd set them up the wrong way. So he's turning the microphones on, on air, and he's saying, he's turning around and he's saying, it's not fucking working. It's not fucking working. <laughs> and I just happened to be walking past and I ran in because I could hear it on the radio and I just <laughs> slammed the microphones off. 
and yeah, that 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 actually happened. That's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, unreal. Well, mate, we really appreciate you coming on. It's been great to chat to you about D's and and your career and and everything about uh, the Melbourne Football Club and your and yourself there as well too. But thanks so much for coming on. We wish you all your best with well the demons, but also your career as well too, which is uh very been very successful so far. But also yeah, looking forward to seeing what you come up with in the near future. But good luck for Saturday. We'll all be there cheering with you and I'm sure we'll touch base after that. No worries, Simo. Tim, go Demons. I've been loving the episodes all year, so keep it up. Hopefully 2022, back to back. Go Dees. That's it. Thanks, Andy. (laughs) Cheers. People aren't commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fagazi. No, I can't, but it's uh, it's goes something like Fagazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> Alright, Simo, well we are the podcast for the fans, by the fans, and we're so excited to launch our very first live Fugazi segment with our loyal listeners. So we've got a few people waiting in the waiting room that are going to give us their talking points as the D's lead into their very first grand final in 21 years. First, we have got Rob here. We're going to let Rob in. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on, mate. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, how are you going? Yeah, yeah, going good. Rob, you want to talk a little bit about Joel Smith replacing Hibbard, so you don't think that Hibbard maybe keeps his spot on the side potentially this week? Oh, look, I, yeah, look, I don't, I, I don't think Hibbo's done anything wrong not to, but I just think just from a, a match-up point of view, um, you know, there, there's got to be some doubt about May. Uh, you know, even though he, you know he's doing everything right, but you know when you get into a game situation like that, and especially a grand final, uh, you know when it goes up a level, um, you know if you've got someone like Joel Smith in the side and May goes down, then I think your backline doesn't lose that much, uh, you know, because he can play tall, he can he can play small, uh, whereas Hibbo can't do that. Uh, and that's just why that that was just the reasoning behind why I think he, he possibly should be in ahead of Hibbo. But yeah, it's uh, you know it's a line ball thing. But yeah, that was just the reasoning behind that. Yeah. Could, you, could you bring Joel Smith in as a sub potentially, um, just as insurance? That it, you know, we've seen in the past that Joel Smith actually has played some decent games forward as well. You know, I mean, I might you know mess with our forward line structure if that was if someone was to go down but obviously if it's you know able to cover Maisie you know would that be the right option yeah look it would be an option yeah I just think uh, yeah it looks absolutely but uh, I just think with 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 Smith in the side uh, you know you can have you know as a sub uh, you know and you know and Maisie doesn't go down but someone else does um, you know if a midfielder goes down yeah, if you've got a Jordan or a Hunt as the sub, you sort of you cover that base as well. Interesting conundrum, I suppose. You, there's not too many sides that you've seen going gone with the key position player as the sub, but I think you're certainly right in terms of you know Stephen May and his fitness has has been a talking point. And it's probably been softly spoken about this week. Really, it's probably been brushed under the carpet a little bit. And I know that even straight after the prelim, he, he you know. He was speaking to the cameras and saying that there wasn't any way that he was missing it. And I think we all feared the worst, especially yeah. uh, at that first point. And I think Daisy Pierce, or I can't remember who it was reporting at the time, was saying that he had tears yeah, was, in his eyes, like like it was it was all over. But 
Um, yeah. It certainly hasn't been the message from the club. But I think the biggest thing, especially this year with our defensive structure, is that it, it is such a system. And we've seen a player like Petty, who's, who's slotted in seamlessly and, and proven that in a couple of games that May hasn't played in, that between him and Lever, he can really kind of take on that key position forward as well too and, and, and play on the you know the number one forward target and, and do a really great job. So I think that yeah, if if Smith was to come in for Hibbert, we've still got Petty just who would probably play that Stephen May role um and has got experience that at time as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, look, you know, Petty's been a, a terrific inclusion since he's come in. Uh, you know, and, and look, you know, he's he's so competitive. It'll be interesting to see what happens come uh, selection time, um, whether Maisie gets up. But, um, yeah, much appreciated. Uh, oh, look, I'm sure well. he will. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he will. Yep. All right. Great. Thanks, Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Tim. Good on you. Okay. Right. Take care. Go, Dees. All right. And next, I think we've got Shane here. There it is. Hey, how you doing? Uh, very good. Thanks. Thanks so much for uh, for jumping on, and uh, yeah, and I believe that you want to you want to chat about why you well say so you're feeling nervous, but you, you're quietly confident about our matchup against the doggies. You've you've done a bit of research and, and look back at one of the previous games or our last game with the dogs. Can you talk to us about what you what you took out of rewatching that last game? Yeah, so I was definitely feeling very nervous, and I thought, well, they did smack us that last time, and by going back and Looking at that game and looking at all the things that have changed since then, I took great confidence out of it. When we played them, it was very wet conditions in that first quarter. And our run and carry game, we'd sort of chip the ball and then drop the mark because it was wet and turn it over. So I go, well, it's going to be a lot drier, hopefully, fingers crossed, and and that'll certainly suit our game. Much better in the dry conditions. And uh, another big one was that we got Bowie in the team and he didn't play. So I think the Bulldogs certainly targeted Salem a fair bit at, at uh, centre-half back. And I go, well, now at least we've got that option of using Bowie instead so that if they lock down hard on Salem, we've got another option there, which we didn't have. Um, and looking back, of course, that first half, we kicked two goals, seven in the first half. So again, as we've said all year, or you guys have about <laughs> take, taking our chances when they come up. And I still think our rucks dominance over an underdone Stefan Martin is going to be a huge point. So when you sort of put all those things together, uh, it gave me a lot more peace and, you know, be able to get to sleep at night. <laughs> uh, just weighing all that up. So what do you guys think? There's probably yeah. a few bits I've missed, I'm sure, but... Uh... 100%. I think the biggest thing we spoke about when we um, reviewed the game was just how, yeah, missed opportunities, which you're saying, and also, yeah, especially Bonds and Pally's dominance, especially at um, their forward half uh, stoppages, was a real standpoint and a real difference. Yeah. Um, so and I'm, I'm sure that the, the coaching staff are looking over that and if we can nullify their impact, especially at stoppage, you know, you look at Libertore and look what um, Harms did to him when we played him at uh, Marvel. Um, he's yeah. he's their number one cog. He's the one that gets it to the Bontepelli's, the McRae's, et cetera. So, you know, if that can be stopped, then uh, I think we'll go a long way to uh, kicking a winning score. Yeah, I think the Steph Martin point is really, really crucial as well, Tom. I mean, they obviously brought him in to crash and bash against Max and just put a, a, a big mature body on him. But what we were, we were just speaking to Lynch before, and he sort of said that that first quarter is going to be really telling. And I think there couldn't be a truer sentence because after not playing a lot of footy, um, 
I think that first quarter, how we come out is really going to determine, well, it's going to have a big influence on the outcome of the game. Yeah, yeah. I work with another uh, ex-player, Brett Bailey, and he said the first 20 minutes is crucial. He said, I'll tell you if we're going to win after the first 20 minutes. So <laughs> the first 20 minutes is going to kill me. But Fantastic. All right, Shane, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much for being part of the uh, very first live segment and all the best for the weekend. Um, I'm No doubt we'll... Uh, will be, well, yeah, celebrating or <laughs> commiserating uh, yeah. over the podcast. Well, I've got to throw in that we've got this family tradition that whenever we watch the football, if they kick a goal, we eat two Jaffas. So we've got like the big kilo pack to get ready just in Fantastic. case. Fantastic. And uh, <laughs> here's to hoping that we get Jaffa poisoning on the weekend. Sounds good, mate. Well, all the best with it. And uh, yeah. All right. Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks Appreciate it. Thanks, Shane. Right, Bye. See you. All right, and next we've got uh, Was joining us tonight. Was you there, mate? Yeah, g'day, uh, Tim. How's it going? Yeah, going very well, mate. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, pretty excited. Big week. Uh, I know we're all pretty amped, and uh, for those of us in Melbourne, uh, it's you know it's uh, mixed emotions, right? I'd, we'd all love to be there, but hey, we, we'll soak it up. It's uh, it's it's pretty exciting times. Was I understand that you've been doing a bit of um. Yeah, a bit of redecorating of your front of your house. Yeah, that's it, Tim. Uh, <laughs> me and the uh, last week was uh, the last week of kids' uh, school before they uh, have school holidays starting this week. So um, I, I I thought about it a few weeks ago about what I'm what am I going to do, and I just thought, oh, let's paint the fence, and then rather than just get out the the uh, paint brushes, I went to Bunnings and got some spray cans. So teaching the kids a bit of graffiti early can't help. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so um, Maddox is eight and Miller's six and and they got out the spray cans and just did, we, we you know, we stuck the V down with some uh, masking tape and then, yeah, just, just let them go at it and spray the fence. And and then the next thing uh, a mate said, um, a, a few lads are, are getting these big banners. So we got a big... Um, uh, a big banner uh, across the front of the house as well with uh, Clary, Track, uh, Maxi, and and Cozzy. No, that's good. No, well, the photos look fantastic, and yeah, as you said, it sounds like you got some got some great help there. But we were mentioning earlier, it's just amazing to see the outpour of support um, and the creative ways that people are going about to show the red and blue. Because, but I also understand that your family's got pretty strong ties to the club as well too. Yeah, uh, Tim. So uh, the old the old man is a life member. He he worked uh, at um, Jollymont Terrace back in the day. Um, I don't know. I think I think he started in '74, a couple of years before I was born. And um, you know, we were pretty fortunate as kids. We used to have, you know, Robbie Flower, uh, Chris Conley, uh, Gaz Lyon. Um, you know, all came out to to watch our local footy. Balls Grinner as well. Um, you know, we I went to. Um, Balls's wedding, um, Gaz's twenty-first, um, you know all that sort of stuff, and even um, you know the the late great uh, Jimmy, Big Jimmy, was um, playing the piano at my mum's fortieth um, out <laughs> on the back veranda oh, out yeah. in uh, out in one Turner. So um, yeah, it was um, it was pretty epic to to be involved in the club in such a you know a, a big way. I mean, we we never missed a game. The old man, you know, as you can imagine, he went every to every single match, and including the trips to um, Canada and the US and all that sort of jazz back in the day. So, yeah, for us, um, myself and my brother, big shout out to Breno. Um, we've been you know, we've been through 
the hardest times, just, you know, headbutting brick walls every, every week when Neil was coach <laughs> and just kept rocking up again and again and again. Um, and, and now we're finally getting to, to, to taste the, um, taste the, the good medicine. So yeah, hopefully we can, we can, um, come up trumps on, um, Saturday, but, um, yeah, I'm also part of a crew called the Nash D's nation. There's quite a few lads. Um, one of the, one of the, um, uh, fellas moved to Queensland recently and he managed to fly to the NT and then fly into Perth. So He's managed to, to, to get a ticket, so he's pretty stoked. And, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, a few of the media lads will get a Guernsey too, but uh, um, the rest of us, yeah, we've just got to be creative with our outpouring. And, you know, every day I go for a, a ride on the mountain bike or, or just out in the streets, you'll see another demon scarf or a hoodie or and you just, you know, every every chance you get, just yell out, go D's. And, yeah, yeah everybody's pretty pumped. So, um uh, it's pretty exciting um, to see, you know, so many demons. And it was funny just watching that, um, you know, um, Brian Stein's um, clip the other day and he was saying, you know, when Jimmy was asking for folks to rock up for foundation, um, you know, obviously we got some big numbers, but isn't it amazing how um, the rest of Turak um, finally puts their red and blue back on again. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, yeah, no, it's I'm all good. Fantastic. Oh, well, thanks so much for coming on, mate, and sharing your story. It's, uh, yeah, great to hear your support. And, and yeah, as I said, the fence looks fantastic, but fingers crossed that, um, yeah, we can go one step further on Saturday. So enjoy watching that with your family and, and fingers crossed that you can be celebrating with them on uh, Saturday night. Um, no, good stuff, lads. And, yeah, big week this week. Um, hope we can get, get the job done and um, party uh, up and down our hallways for the next two weeks. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Woz. All right. Take care, mate. All the best. Cheers, Tim. Good on you, Simon. Take it easy, mate. All right. The next one comes. So it's Turbo. So the next one's Turbo. It's a doggy supporter. So we're going with something a little bit different here. You there, Turbo? Go on, Sim. Hey, how you doing, mate? Yeah, nervous as heck, mate. Nails are gone. The hair's gone grey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice even as the even, well, I don't know. Would you class yourself as the underdogs? Who's the favourites going on here, Turbo? What do you think? Yeah, Melbourne for sure, mate. They've had the the better season, been consistent and on top all year. And uh, but I think I do think it's the best two teams of the season going head to head. Oh, 100 percent. I do you think everybody wrote off the dogs too early? Well, obviously they wrote them off too early, but it was just amazing to sort of see the last and yourself would have probably felt it as a supporter, but the last few games and hearing everybody kind of just not even give them a chance. The fact that Brisbane only just snuck in with a, you know, with that solitary point, really, I think it's probably taking a little bit away of your achievements this season because we've mentioned it before. You guys were definitely the benchmark of the comp. Right. After that last, uh, the last month for the doggies, I almost wrote us off a couple of times. So uh, that last weekend of football was, I had to watch every single game just to see where we're going to end up. Like it kept two and in front if we're going to be third, second, and in the end, fifth. Do you think how much that final four changed in the last like three weeks of the of the season? It's just it, unreal. Yeah, just goes to show how even the competition's getting. Like anyone can win on their day, and I think as we go forward, it's just going to be so so tight to get in that top eight and that top four spot. It's just going to be so crucial going forward. It's definitely good for footy too, because I think in the in recent times, you know, it's been pretty clear cut your, your top three, four teams that will go be going at it. So it's. Definitely good for the competition. Like knowing that, you know, back in 2016, you boys come from from seventh and you look at it, you guys this year, like, yeah, definitely. I think you guys are definitely there with us as, you know, equal, if not, you know, 
better on each other in any given day. So it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see what comes on Saturday, mate. And it'll be interesting to see and hear where the game will be won and lost. Well, yeah, I've got got a couple of points of that. So I've gone from the dogs' perspective, obviously, and like the biggest one for us is going to be stopping Gorn or Limpwell, probably at best limiting him with our two ruckmen. Just Martin's going to have to bash and crash him into him as often as he can. And then in English stints, he's just going to have to run him around the ground as much as he can, even though Gorn's a pretty aerobic beast anyway. He's just going to have to try and stretch him as much as we can to limit his work around the ground in defence. And obviously his ruck craft, which is probably the best in the comp. I can't wait to see Viney and Libba going head-to-head, like two of the toughest nuts you'll ever see, just going head-to-head all day. I don't think there's going to be much tagging involved in the middle. I think it's pretty, like, Petrarca v. Uh, Bontempelli. you got McRae and Oliver. Like, it's going to be pretty even. You're a betting man, Turbo. Who would you whack your money on for the normie? Both sides. I, I, there's a little, little romance in Gorn getting it, I think. A lot of romance in Gorn getting it. Um, doggies, like, it's, again, romance has got to be smithed with this, the final series he's had, so... There's always value to be had, but those are the two, I think, the two favourites and people will love to see him get it on either side of the coin. You know, there's, there's going to be a pretty amazing fairytale at the end if we do get the job done, you know, 57 years in the making. And then you guys as the underdogs, um, look, you've, you've been labelled as the underdogs all final series and, you know, there'll be a nice fairy tale written there too. So I don't think I can wish you the best of luck because, <laughs> and, and Simo, I don't think I can say, I don't want a close game either, mate. <laughs> As I said, I want it to be over at three-quarter time so I can bloody enjoy it. Any other grand final with any other two teams can have a close game. That's fine, but no. Yeah. Not, I, was not to, I was just trying to be nice, mate. I was just trying to be nice. But obviously, deep nah. down, I want to be yeah, belting them, but nah. yeah, all that's all, all the best. Turbo, appreciate you coming on, mate. Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, no, enjoy the day on Saturday. That's about it as cheers, much as I'll boys. say. Yeah, you too. You too. See you, lads. See you, mate. Uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing, but we also want to just take it you know, one week at a time. And coaches say that a lot, and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. All righty, Tim. It's my favourite time of the week. It is one week at a time, and it's going to be the last time for this year. And, mate, grand final, huge game. And guess what? We've got a special guest as well. Our original co-host, Steph, <laughs> how you doing? Hi, Simo. Good. How are we feeling? Are we all feeling a bit nervous, boys? Oh, definitely. It's funny, Steph, you've just been thinking about this. How ironic is this? And we sort of exchanged texts <laughs> last weekend or the other week when, when the doggies got up. It couldn't, oh. uh, we couldn't have planned it, you know, what, 14 months ago when we, when we did our Bulldogs Melbourne preview game as our <laughs> very first episode. Who would have thought all this time later that we're... Yeah, previewing uh, Melbourne Bulldogs grand final, oh, unreal. <laughs> I think we've joked about it as well too, haven't we? We've we've joked about this happening, and oh, we might have. Yeah, we, we it definitely would have come across halfway through the season, surely. <laughs> I, I think it did, and that's the thing. Like I, I love the D's. You know, I love the D's. I'm all aboard the D train most of the season, except one round usually when we play each other, but. It's a really hard week. I just feel so – it's a strange feeling for, for me. I just – I don't know. Like, I'd love to play – obviously, every club wants to play in the grand final, but you guys are probably the one club I don't want to play <laughs> at all. Yeah. And I'm exactly the same, Steph. My, yeah. mom's, a, my mom's a doggy supporter. So, yeah. like, it's yeah, it's mixed emotions. Cause like it you is. Because doggies win, but obviously, you know, your main side's going to be the one and, you know, being very D's bias. Like, it's, mm. you know, it's, it's hopefully our time. That's it. Yeah. So Simo, what do we what do we got to do to win, mate? Oh, look, there's there's plenty of things that can unfold here, mate. I think 
I suppose structurally um, and more defensively, I think if we get that game right, um, I think we go a long way to winning the game. But then again, um, it can be won and lost in the midfield as well. Steffi, what do you think? What do you guys need to do in terms to nullify our impact? But what's what yeah. you think is your biggest oh. thing? I, I can't wait to see the teams to, for starters. I would hate to be on the uh, the dog selection team this week, um, purely because obviously for our prelim we had Cody Waitman and Alex Keith out, two key players. And, you know, obviously with the win we came off, it, it's so hard to go in unchanged to this. So I think that's going to be the first thing, whether we're going to have our big Alex Keith down back or whether we're not, we're going to be playing without him. And, and if that's the case, we're going to have to really dig deep down, down back um, and cover our, you know, cover our tracks down there. But yeah, that, that's one thing. I think the midfield matchup will be very nice. That'd be very, very, um, yeah, it could go either way there with the clearances. And I think having Steph Martin back in the ruck, if that goes ahead again, even though he's pushing 35, that did help our clearances last week as well. So the week before, so yeah. Which matchups you're most looking forward to, Steph? I suppose, I mean, you look at both ends of the ground, there's some really mm. strong key forwards thereabouts, but do you reckon you guys send someone to any of our players or vice versa? Oh, Simo, I, it's funny. Luke Beveridge is one. He's, he's a hard one to to know what he's going to do. He pulls things out of the bag sometimes, Luke. And, you know, obviously playing Shaki as a defensive forward even last week was was interesting. So whether, you know, Goody tries to play that out of the game a bit and move Shaki out or he might flip Shaki and pop him down back if we don't have Keith. It's just... There's, there's a bit to, to go on with, but uh, we need to stop Clary, I think, would be something um, that we need to, to focus on. And, and if Petrarca's on, he's on, and that's another one that we uh, – I, I, he makes me nervous when we play against him. Love watching him, yeah. but he makes me nervous. So I think, um, yeah, they're, they're two, two things to sort of look for. How's the story of Rolf Smith? Mm, like that's I know. Been, what, one-year contract for his whole career – Almost yeah, delisted a couple of times. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's, um, couple a ACLs. Feel good story and... for him, isn't it? Do you reckon? Very do you reckon much. It's going to be a feel good story. I reckon it will be a little bit of heartbreak for him. Go the way, couldn't it, Simo? I, uh, we, he, he was one a name that was thrown around a little bit for you know, will he play? Won't he play? Um, which, you know, he's always been, been a little bit on on the fringe raw for for his time at the Dogs, but I think he's stepped up massively enormously in the in the finals and um i'd love to see him play and by the looks of you know a couple of things that have spilled out this week he, he will be playing which would be great obviously it'll be an absolute you know heartbreak for him and it, all the players if you know we, we get the loss but i think if you're a player that's gone through that and the acls and your injuries and you've come back and you've been delisted and rookie listed and and you get to run out on grand final day regardless of the result that's gotta that's gotta be feel good definitely i think also the you know the mids pushing forward and, and getting on the scoreboard is going to make it's, it's going to have a mm. huge outcome on the game and I think with the firepower that the dogs have in terms of Bont and Bailey Smith who's playing out of his mind at the moment mm. I think whichever team can kind of find multiple goal kickers I don't think that you're going to get anyone that's going to be kicking five or six goals it's, it's really going to be a spread of goal kickers like what it's proven over the last you know a few rounds for both sides but yeah i think when you've got players like track and clary who can push forward get a couple of goals you know and the same with you guys as well too i think that's going to be a huge role to play and and will be really pivotal in the outcome of the game as well because as we sort of said the the defense and the and the forward lines that can probably almost they're both going to get their scoring opportunities but then it's the difference is going to be 
when those mids push forward, who's going to be able to capitalize on the opportunities and, and be yeah. able to damage the scoreboard? Because we know, and we spoke about before, about how yeah damaging it was when you guys kicked five or six goals from forward stoppages, certainly going to be something that the coaches are going to be watching for and, and seeing how they can move some of those players into attacking positions as well. Yeah, it's going to be such an exciting game, I think, just the way we both play. Um and just the build-up and obviously the history behind it. It's just, it just could go either way. It's just so exciting. So can you give us a bit of a prediction? Who's <laughs> team-wise team team wise coming in? If yep. uh, Keith is fit, which I, I would think that, I mean, he's yeah. played tremendously since he's come back from his injury and has been really beaten. Can you give us who who is who is going to miss out? Unfortunately, like you got Vandermeer is probably looking like the unlucky yeah. one. Um, well, Vanders was a bit ginger with his with his groin and hammies, I think, um, against the Port game. I think it's going to be so stiff, I think, um, who whoever comes out. I've had this discussion a lot with my dad and my, my brother, like who comes out, who comes in, who's the sub. And, look, obviously Keith coming back in and, and Chris Grant said, I think, uh, prior to the Port game, um, that if it was a grand final, he would have played, which was an interesting comment to make. So, I'm going to say, yeah, you're right. He's in. Keith's in. And out for him would probably be out of either Ryan Gardner or Zane Cordy. Poor Cords. He cops a lot of slack. Um, and, you know, I personally would prefer him in. I'd prefer Cordy in and maybe Gardner out. Gardner's skills have improved over the season, but I just think with Cordy is a smaller defensive player. But given his experience, you know, in the 2016 flag, he's got experience he steps up in the big game skill wise not great but he puts his butt in the line and similar to rock smith and crashes packs and does those sort of you know second effort things so I, i'd i'd like to see cordy stay in and unfortunately it's it's difficult but maybe gardener out and um keith in as far as waitman goes he's my little pocket rocket he's my new mitch wallace <laughs> timmy i love him so i think waitman will be in out for him maybe vandermeer or maybe tony scott Anthony Scott, uh, one of them maybe play the sub role as well, potentially. Mm, yeah. That's where I'm at. I don't know. It's very, very interesting to see the uh, to see the team. I suppose you've got to look at, especially from a selection point of view, who's going to play on our three key tools. That's um, it. We have them all down there at once. You know, who's going to play on your Ben Browns, Tom McDonald, Luke Jackson mm. down there, even Gorney when he goes down there. I mean, oh, dangerous. Gorney, Gorney and Ben Brown's arms fully extended. You know, who's got a, who's got that leap and you know those, those longer you know long arms to actually get a fist in there. And I think I mean, I've seen a bit of Ace Cordy play, and I think he's you know he's definitely got the spoiling capabilities. Not so much the intercept sort of game, but I think Keith sort of has that as well. And I think yeah. positioning is quite good. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes. I think from our standpoint, I think we'll go probably relatively unchanged. I reckon the mm. only thing that might change would be maybe the sub, potentially with what's going on with injuries, et cetera. Um, but I Who think, do you I think definitely will be your think, sub? I definitely think May is going to be in. But, um, but look, I mean, Jordan's been the sub mm. heaps recently. I mean, Sparrow for most of the season now, Jordan's sort of taken that now. It's... You know, it's it's probably most likely going to be him. I reckon Jordan probably gets it, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Joel Smith used his luxury or insurance, um, or potentially um, Jaden Hunt. Yeah, yeah, who's proving to be another hard luck story, really, for the season. Rather yeah. than you know, just injuries occurring at the wrong time of the year, unfortunately, and and for him who put together such a fantastic season and was able to get some consistency 
and find his role in the team. It's just proven that unfortunately these these things do happen and it, it does. It's why would you change a team that has had the success that it's had in the last month of footy? So, you know, looking at a lot of young players that we've got in our side, but unfortunately for him and, and for and for Joel Smith as well too, who obviously made way for the prelim. I can't see us making any changes. There's no way May's not playing uh, Lever, who you know might be slightly ginger. Is, is certainly no risk at all as well too. So I can I can see them putting their best foot forward with that and and, and leaving a pretty settled side for that. Steph, I'm mm. not going to ask your prediction because um, I know <laughs> what you're going to say. But I think well, I think it's going to be tight. <laughs> I think it is. It's not going to be a blowout. That's for sure. No. It's. Um, it's yeah, it's going to be a hugely contested game. It, it should be really entertaining to watch for for any supporter. I yeah. honestly think, and I think we've said it multiple times that it is the best two teams of of season twenty twenty one going head to head. Well, I hope you enjoy the day for the sake of it. I won't wish you well yes. for the for the team. Was <laughs> we're, um, we're a bit enemy based out with the next couple of days, but afterwards we'll we'll, uh, we'll have to go have a drink and celebrate other way. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Some well, thank you. Happy. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure to have you back on. Welcome back, and uh, thanks for thanks for jumping on. It's such a momentous occasion for thanks, guys. for us, and yeah, it was great to have a bit of a preview chat for the for yeah. the biggest game in in our yeah in our short lifespan of supporting both of these sides. Yeah. All can the we, best, guys. We, Good on you. Can we put her through the ringer and give her a five in the flash <laughs> before she leaves? Yeah, you got some questions ready to go. <laughs> Absolutely, they're, All right. they're ready to go. Um, All right, I'll leave it right. to you. You want me to leave it to me? All right. So, yep. Steph. Uh, yep. Favorite bulldog. Current or pass? Up to you. You can say both. Pass. Luke Darcy slash Dale Morris. Yeah. Current. Marcus Montempelli slash Cody Waitman. The Norm <laughs> Smith medalist of 2021 will be. Bailey Smith. Best looking Melbourne player. Ooh. I'm gonna think about this one. Best I think. I think Stephen May is quite handsome, strangely. Margin and winner. Oh, I'm going to oh, – dogs by 14. Left of centre <laughs> prediction for the game. So something – just a bold prediction. Bold prediction. All right. Um, let's go with Steph Martin to kick the first. Ooh, that's a – yeah. Well, you better be putting free. that on. I'd have to be a part of the Simo's multi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bring it back. <laughs> well, I'm just going off because Zane Cordy kicked the first in the 2016 granny. And I had, I think I had someone, I think I had Toby McLean. So he lost me my multi, Simo. So yeah. Zane Cordy did. So I'll, we'll go with something random like that. Fantastic. And just quickly <laughs> to finish off, Steffi, it's funny you sent me a message this, uh, last night, this morning, that we finally got an answer to a, a question that Daniel Cross, when we interviewed him uh, all those, you know, a few weeks ago, would refuse to answer about who would he prefer to win the grand final. And you sent me a little video of uh, some past mm. of his players giving their well wishes to the team ahead of I this did. Saturday. We now know where his allegiances lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's a family know, thing as well. Maybe, but keep your eyes peeled. He could have done one for the D's as well, and he's got us both. Well, that's true. That's he true. could have. We could keep your eyes peeled for that one. But, yeah, there you go, Simo. I did ask um, Crossy back then, yeah. you know, who, who, who's your tip? And we, that, I think that was the time that we joked about it. You know, hypothetically speaking, Crossy, dogs, yeah. D's, granny, you know, who are you going for? And he goes, oh, I can't answer that. Well, that's it. <laughs> he answered it. He answered it yesterday. <laughs> yeah, unreal. Oh, well, thanks again so much for, for jumping granny on. Guys. 
Uh, thanks to all our listeners for yeah all the support that we've had this week. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, or Apple, or any of your favorite platforms that you can find podcasts on. Simo, we're looking forward to the week. Uh, just, yeah, enjoy the ride. And no doubt we'll be, yeah, just really soaking up every second leading up to the bounce. But it's going to be a hell of a nervous week leading <laughs> up to the game. But we're, we're all going to be in it together, even though we're not physically together in that sense. <laughs> That's it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Simo. Thanks, guys. Days listeners, care. we'll speak to you next week. Go Dees. Go Dees.